happy Halloween, everyone, and welcome to the this special edition of Stories of the Dark Halloween Show. I am Glenn Clark, and uh, sorry for being a little late getting on the air. We were, we, um, were out earlier tonight. We went to the uh, All Saints Lunatic Asylum Haunted Attraction in Apple Valley, and I must say it was worth every bit of money that was spent. It was uh, scary. Even I jumped a few times, and so I would highly recommend that. Of course, it's already over by now, but uh, uh, they uh, will be having a um, uh, an escape room in November, as well as a. Uh, I read that they were doing a Christmas um, edition of that, so uh, uh, we'll have to check that out as well and see what all that's about. So. So in tonight's edition, what I'm going to be doing is just reading uh, some scary stories that um, well, that we found on the internet, and uh, hope you'll uh, enjoy those. So right now, I think we'll uh, go ahead and take our first little break and uh, play some music, and I'll come back and start with the, the stories. I'm Glenn Clark, and this is Stories of the Dark. Welcome back to Stories of the Dark. I am Glenn Clark, and this is the Halloween show. 
And right now we're going to kick it off. I'm going to start reading some uh, stories. Uh, this is, comes from Wattpad.com. Uh, all the stories I'll be reading tonight come from that uh, website. So you're welcome to go take a look and see what they have on, on there. This comes from a user, Luca Jane 101 It's called White String. Sarah had just turned 11, and for her birthday, she asked her parents if she could get her ears pierced. She begged and begged, telling her parents that all her friends had their ears pierced. Finally, the parents gave in. They gave Sarah some money to go down to the local jewelers and get them pierced. Sarah decided to keep the money and get her friend to pierce them for her. So her friend got a hot needle and stuck it through the earlobe, her earlobe. It hurt a lot, but Sarah was delighted. She can now wear earrings. One day at school, her earlobes became very itchy. She went down to the bathroom and saw that her earlo earlobes were red and inflamed. She then noticed something white, like a piece of white string. She pulled and pulled at the string. It seemed to never end. Finally, she decided to cut the string. She took out a pair of scissors and cut it. Instantly, everything went black. Sarah was raced to the hospital where the doctor told her that she would be blind forever. It wasn't a piece of string. It was her optic nerve. That's a very, very, very good story right there. So, you, you know, so... Uh, just case in point, if you have your ears pierced, make sure if you see any white, don't pull on it. So, the next story I'm going to read from you comes from the same lo uh, user. Loser. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Been, been a long day. Kind of tired. So, uh, Luca Jane 101. It's called The Children. Brian Bethel is a respected veteran journalist and current columnist for the Abilene Reporter News. In the 90s, Brian wrote a blog piece detailing an experience that would soon come to be shared by many others. His story is unique in that it was the first, and it was told by someone with an eye for journalistic detail and absolutely nothing to gain and a career to lose by spinning such an implausible yarn. One e evening, as Brian sat parked outside the local movie theater, filling out a check for the night deposit next door, his driver's side door was approached by a couple of children, no more than 10 or 12. Brian rolled down his window, expecting a request for money. Only one of the boys spoke. But even before any words came out of his mouth, Brian was gripped by fear an irrational, heart-pounding fear that he couldn't explain. The boy told a story. They wanted to see the movie. They left their money at home, and could Brian give them a ride? Brian tried to avoid looking at them, not wanting the fear, his fear to show. He no noticed that the last showing of the movie had already begun. The little boy implored, they were just a couple of kids. They didn't have a gun. As Brian finally locked eyes with the boy, his mind went 
wild with horror. Both the kids' eyes were coal black. Stammering an excuse, he began to roll up his window and put the car in, into gear as the little boy called out angrily, We can't come in unless you say it's okay. Let us in. Brian burned rubber all the way home and wrote about the experience later that night. Apparently, he's far from the only one stories about the web about black-eyed people. Usually children, but sometimes adults with similar requests who cause unexplained panic in all who encounter them. Perhaps it's just those eyes or the odd, somewhat alien nature of their speech or the malevolent predatory nature that those who encounter them can feel lurking just beneath the surface. No one has stuck around long enough to find out just who or what they really are. Perhaps you will find out some dark night on some side street as you're walking alone. Let me know, will you? Well, I hope I never actually run into something like that because I probably will just run away. So... Okay, we're going to take a little, little, another little break here and play some music. And uh, I've got two more stories to read. This will probably just be a short little a little uh, podcast show for tonight. And then uh, uh, I think later on we're going to try to do another uh, Spirit Box session, which uh, we will uh, broadcast here on YouTube. So that will be kind of an add-on live uh, program as well. So... I'll take a little break and we'll come back and uh, got two more stories for you. I'm Glenn Clark and this is Stories of the Dark. Thank you. 
said in the last segment, uh, this one, this show will be a bit short, uh, but we are going to do a spear box session, uh, which uh, we'll, we'll carry uh, live here on YouTube as well, so it'll be more or less uh, two shows kind of combined into one, so hope you all will enjoy that. Uh, the next story I'm going to read from you comes from... Uh, Misguided 01. It's called Wallpaper. We bought an old house, my boyfriend and me. He is in charge of the new construction. Converting the kitchen into the master bedroom, for instance, while I'm on wallpaper removal duty. The previous owner papered every wall and ceiling. Removing it is brutal, but oddly satisfying. The best feeling is getting a long peel similar to your skin when you're peeling from a sunburn. I don't know about you, but I kind of make a game of peeling on the hunt for the longest piece before it rips. Under a corner section of paper in every room is a person's name and a date. Curiosity got the best of me one night when I googled one of the names and discovered the person was a missing person. The missing date matched matching the date under the wallpaper. The next day I made a list of all the names and dates. Sure enough, each name was for a missing person with dates to match. We notified the police who naturally sent out a crime scene team. I overheard one text that says, Yep, it's human. Human. What's human? Ma'am, where is the material you removed from the walls already. This isn't wallpaper you were removing. Now that's pretty good. That's that's a really good short story there. So uh, right now I uh, think we'll take uh, one last uh, song break and uh, come back and I've got a I've got a, a special story I want to read for you. It'll be the last story I read of the evening. So we'll come right back. Uh, I'm Glenn Clark, and this is Stories of the Dark. (laughs) ¶¶ 
welcome back to Stories of the Dark. I am Glenn Clark, and this is Halloween Night 2018. And uh, the last story I have for you is uh, uh, by Shalimar A. Orion. It's called Dia de los Mirtos. And yeah, my forgive me if my Spanish uh, is not not very good. Anza started setting up the table and offering silently in the dark. She had brought, brought a battery-powered lantern along so she could see. The breeze smelled of dirt, leaves, and grass. She could smell a hint of fresh flowers, incense, and the food offerings nearby. It was pleasantly still otherwise. She bought two small sugar skulls, some pandemirto, silk marigolds, and had two small battery-powered tea lights. It tended to be windy up on the hill, and she didn't want to set the place on fire. The drive for the, the old cemetery only reached the bottom of the hill, so she gathered her things and started up. It was a warm night, the stars were out, and the wind rustled softly through the trees. It was just the day, day before Dia de los Mirtos. After Anza set everything up and turned on the little candles and settled herself up against the tree, she sat cross-legged, closed her eyes, and concentrated on Hernan. Thinking about him made her lungs hurt. She missed him so much, so much sometimes she, she wished wished she was with him on the other side. Anza tried not to think about that and concentrated on him. After a moment, she felt a hand on her shoulder. Most people probably would have missed such a light touch, like a feather brushing against your skin. But after years of practice, she began to really feel when he was near. Once, when Anza was sick and insisting she was fine to go to work, Hernan sat on her, on her back to make her stay at home. Anza had felt pressure on her body as she lay face down on her bed until she agreed with her mom that she should stay home. Then the pressure lifted instantly. She swore she could feel, feel him laughing in triumph. Only Anza could feel Hernan, her parents couldn't. They weren't the kind of people to believe in such things, so she kept him to herself. Anza opened her eyes to reveal a pale blue outline of a young man. His dark curly hair did not stir in the wind. He looked so much like their father, Hernan smiled at her. Hola mi hermano, she said, smiling back. Buenos tardes, humana. Have you eaten yet? Plenty of food, you know, we can't really eat it anyway, he said with a wry laugh. Sure, thank you, he replied. Hernan floated away. After a moment, he came back with a banana, an orange, and some pandemirto from nearby altars. They sat and spoke in whispers. It was, only, it was the only time of year she could really see and speak to him. Otherwise, he was just a mute, invisible angel that followed her around. Just then, something, something picked her up and tossed her across the grass. Anza had a second 
to bring her hands up to cover her head as she slammed it into a huge headstone. Her hands stung and burned as she settled back down onto the into the grass. Anza felt the hairs of her on the back of her neck stand up. There was a choking smell of sulfur and something rotten in the air. She felt the presence, pressure of an evil presence filled with hatred and anger towards her. Hermana, he had just, she had heard Hernan yell as he floated down to her side. Hermana, it is our uncle Jago. You must leave. Get up. He pleaded with her. Hernan didn't have much control uh, of, of his corporal self at times, and he could barely nudge her. Anza sat upright, her whole body feeling stiff. She looked down at her scratched and bloodied hands. Hernan, what's happening? It's our uncle who passed last year. He's trapped here for some reason. He may have done it knowing you'd be here. I just wasn't sure. I didn't think. Hernan's words came out in gasps, although he was in a man's body. Hernan was still, ju still ju was just a boy. He had passed very young, but would have been two years older than Anza. He only knew from, he only knew the world from what he shared with Anza. Being the big brother, he wanted to look older and could change himself to look his proper age. Hernan finally managed to, to control his form enough to help her up. Anza attempted to run to the car. El Jago caught up with her again and tossed her into an offering table. The table and its contents collapsed and buried her in flowers and candles. She cried out. Her thigh had a huge wood splinter jutting out. Blood was beginning to ooze from all around the wound. Hernan tried to fight El Jago off, but it was no use. El Jago just picked him up and twisted him, wringing him like a rag. Hernan grimaced and cried out in pain. Anza didn't realize he could, he could even feel pain. She didn't know what to do. Jago just laughed at her, the reddish outline of his astral body shaking as he did. His corporal form had been so full of evil and his projection was mutilated and malformed. He looked like a melted cubic painting, body parts in the wrong places. Anza, will you join your brother in the afterlife? You will join your after your brother in the afterlife very soon. Viva, he shouted. His bellowing voice echoed all over the hills and bouncing off the headstones. Things in the distance began to rise from the earth, small reddish sparks at first, then they grew larger and took humanoid shapes, much like El Jago's twisted, gnarly, and gruesome shapes. Some look like mythical beasts and animals from fairy tale nightmares. Hermana, Hermana kissed, hissed out through his teeth as he writhed in agony. Call Floor, call for her, you can do it. Think of her like you do for me, hurry, he pleaded. Tears began to slide down Anza's cheeks. Her vision of her beloved brother in pain blur, blurred. How could she call Floor? She had never tried 
but she had never tried. Their grandmother, Flora, wasn't one to be summonsed. Anza sat quickly as her battered body would let her, ignoring the pain. She took in a ragged breath and smelled her own blood, sweat, and coppery. She squeezed her eyes and squeezed her eyes closed and tried to block out the sounds of screeches and moans from the twisted forms coming towards her. Floor, she pleaded, eyes closed as she con concentrated. Ayudanos, por favor. The spirit, the demon spirits came closer and started wrapping their talon-like hands around her wrist. Floor. Ayudanos, help your grandchildren, por favor. Sorry for the bit of uh, pause there. Anza was lifted up in the air. El Jago waved his hand free, and an, and an earthquake revealed a hole to the underworld. From the hole spouted fire, and she saw shadows of hands and bodies, and heard their shrill screams and deep wailing. She smelled brimstone and sulfur, and feel the heat as flames rose. Anza shif shivered. She was terrified. Glancing over at Hernan, he screamed her name, his face twisted with fear and anguish. Anza closed her eyes once more and called silently to her grandmother. Please help, Hernan. If you can't save me, please save him. He's an innocent, she whispered as tears began to flow freely from her eyes. The wrestled Anza from the ground, and she was helpless against them. Right as they carried her to the mouth of the cave, Anza saw a flash of light. White hot bolts impaired the demons as they fractured with light and shattered like glass. All that was left was the echoes of their screams, and Anza collapsed to the ground in a heap. Leave my grandchildren alone, Jago. A woman's voice boomed from what seemed like everywhere. El Jago froze, his eyes wide. No, impossibly. You can never, you never came down for me, he wailed. That's because you never deserved my help. These children have never done anything to hurt you, my son. Let them go before Dios sends you to a much worse place than purgatory. El Jago seemed to think for a moment, loosening his grip on Hernan. But then he just squeezed tighter. Hernan writhed in pain, calling out Flor and Anza. He looked more like his child self than, than the adult, as if the spirit was being drained by Jago. Que asa si, Flor's voice boomed. Then El Jago began to choke. He was suddenly surrounded by heavenly spirits, some Anza recognized as members of their family. They easily lifted Hernan from Jago's grasp, then picked up Jago and flung him into the pit of hell he had opened. The, cre the creatures inside clung to him and dragged him backwards. Mama, Mama, Ajume, Jago called to floor, but then but she did not respond. The hole began to close on itself. The last thing they saw was El Jago's clawed hand sticking out from the ground. Then it, was, then it, then it too was sucked under. 
The angels led Hernan to his sister. Anza sat up, dizzy and in pain. She had burns on her arms for where the creatures had held her. Gracias adios. Are you okay, little sister? Not really, but better than I would have been, Anza said, looking up. Behind Hernan stood Grandma Floor, glowing amongst the angels. Anza's eyes grew wide, filling with tears. Floor put her hand on Hernan's shoulder. He turned and embraced her. Gracias, Abuelita, Hernan said, wrapping in her glowing embrace. It was beautiful to Anza in so many ways. Claro, mijo, I just wish that I could have also saved my son. Anza, can you stand? Anza stood rather easily. It seemed as if her injuries had miraculously been healed. She embraced her family. They walked back together back to Hernan and Flora's graves. That's when Anza turned, turned, saw herself sitting up against a tree. What? Am I dead, or is this, or is this a dream? It is what you want it to be, Miha. You can come with us now or later. Flora said. It seemed that she had been listening to Anza's thoughts. I, I didn't think that I would go now. I feel that I have things to do in this life, especially after tonight, Anza replied. See, you do. You will help many others with your gift, Anza. Never forget how special you are. Never forget how much Hernan and I love you. How could I? You both are always in my heart. Poor Simpri, Simpri, ye par, para Simpri. Hasta entosis, entosis, Flor said. Come along, Hernan, your place is with me. Anza embraced them once again, and they slowly became enveloped in such a bright light she had to cover her eyes. Anza awoke to find herself sitting under the tree once more. She touched her face and felt tears. She looked around and saw no trace of what had transpired. Morning was breaking over the hiss of the cemetery, and Anza began to pick up, pack up her altar. Amongst the items she had brought, she found a necklace. It was a heart-shaped locket her grandma, grandmother Floor had been buried with. Inside were photos of her and Hernan as children. Flor had left it for her. Gracias, Abuelita, Anza whispered, as she made her way back down the hill. Until next year. And that does wrap up our special uh, Halloween edition of Stories of the Dark. Uh, I want to thank everybody who uh, thank everybody for joining me tonight, and uh, also want to thank all of my followers on Twitter, all my brand new followers. I'm almost up to close to 200 followers now, so thank you all for that. That's I very much appreciate that. Uh, as always, you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Patreon.com, SoundCloud, um, Podomatic, uh, Pinecast. There's there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, so so uh, all of them will be posted at the in the description of this uh, video. Uh, also, we also uh, Black Circle Girl and I also have uh, stories of the dark. Uh, merchandise available for sale so you can uh, find those on her uh, 
on her websites, which will also be posted on the in the description part of uh, of this uh, video. So, and as always, I'd like to thank uh, Black Circle Girl for the work she does. Without her, I don't think this podcast would be what it is, and I totally mean that. <laughs> and she's sitting over smiling and smiling at me. So anyway, with that, I want to wish everybody again a happy Halloween, and uh, we'll be back on the air live here in probably a little bit. We're going to do a little bit of spirit box session before we uh, end the night, and so I can get up in the morning and go back to work. So anyway, I'm Glenn Clark. This is Stories of the Dark. Happy Halloween, everyone, and have a wonderful and safe night. Thank you.